Hi. How you doing? I'm good. How are you? I am doing amazing. Thank you. Thank you very much for joining me. No problem. And it was short notice. Yeah, but it's interesting, isn't it? Extremely, extremely. I'm very interested. I'm very interested in what you have to say today as well. So, before we begin, can you just, you know, introduce yourself a little bit for the audience? Um, my name's Helena. I'm a student in uni. And I study history and politics and hope to become a historian and a diplomat. A diplomat? So what, at the UN or something? Hmm? At the UN or something? Um, not really. I mean, there's a plan to do with politics, but it's, I, I'm planning different routes because obviously politics is unpredictable. You never know where you're going to end up at. But in the future, mm-hmm. after all that, definitely want to work in Africa. Right. So what's your preferred routes? Like you said, you know, there's different routes. What would your preferred one be? Uh... Mm, it's it's changed a lot because before it would have been like oh try find a job in the council in the UK and stuff but then obviously corona here mm-hmm. so then I was like oh I'm still gonna try and find a job in the council something that to do with politics that's that I can put on my CV then oh like an internship type idea. yeah right, and then okay. like go abroad um maybe find somewhere to work in Belgium and then from Belgium maybe apply to the UN and from the UN I'll have my side projects to do in the UN you can you can parlay that into a cushy IMF job somewhere Mm, but it's like that's why I don't don't want just it's it's not really about the job it's more like oh what I want to do in life okay okay right so what, what would be the ideal like if you could like you know have a magic wand and say, you know, 20 years from now, where do you want to be? Ah, not even 20 years, in less than. Okay, okay, less than. In, okay. Le- in the space of five years, even five years. Okay. I'd, I'd definitely be a historian and be involved in politics, mainly in Africa, because that's where it's needed. Okay, okay. So why is, sorry, go on. It's just, it's very shameful to think that not only has the country been the whole continent been drained by just the history of colonialism but now it's like our own leaders it's yeah. like are you better than the white men that came to invade africa sometimes you sometimes you can't tell yeah what kind of what african country are you from personally uh, i'm nigerian you're nigerian oh so yeah. am i so am i okay so would you like to get involved in nigerian politics per se or more like an um, I would, but it's one of them ones I, I still need to keep learning because obviously I don't have a life there like the people there. Mm-hmm. Even though I'm Nigerian, it's like, oh, it doesn't give me the automatic right to go over there and, and do up, you know, white saviour, even though that's mm-hmm. not what I'm trying to do, but still. Yeah, for that liberal interventionism. Yeah. But then it's, it's one of them ones. Um, it's how... You always you always be surrounded by people when especially when it comes to Nigeria, they'll, they'll talk, 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 but it's like, what are you doing? Are you doing anything? Mm-hmm. Are you making a contribution to your own country? No. Instead of like where's where's the pride that comes with being Nigerian? That's that's do you know what? That's literally what I was saying to my friend the other day. I was saying to him, like, even if like, you know, people are, you know, prone to being corrupt that's a natural like a human yeah. thing i guess 
But like, there's got to be some a point where you think like, how can we as a country have the number one poverty population in the world? That's a, embarrassing. Mm-hmm. Like, even even if you're rich and you don't care about people, just as a point of pride, like, I can't let that happen. Mm-hmm. And they know that about my country. And I'm there trying to represent that country. That's just disgusting. But it's just uh, that personal pride is not really there, which... It isn't. But then when it comes to all of the sudden talking, for example, when it came to NSARS, all of the sudden, mm-hmm. it's like, oh, yeah, yeah. We need to fight this. Everyone joins the movement. People are protesting. But one thing I don't like, especially about, I don't know, just every time there's a movement, mm-hmm. it's always temporary. I feel like this. we live in a world where everything, not everything, but I'd say certain movements that should be, you know, protested every single day. Why is it only when it's trending on social media that people have an interest in it? When it's like, SARS came up in the news years ago mm-hmm. and there's there was never a continuous protest against it, like an outcry from us people that, that are outside of Africa and stuff. But then as soon as it, as soon as you see it trending on social media, all of a sudden people want to engage. But even look now, no one's really talking about it. Same with issues to do with Syria. I remember people were doing a Palestinian flag people are doing up just every single issue that has happened either in africa middle east or asia even um um against slaves in um libya mm-hmm. and lebanon but then where where's that now it doesn't have to be trending on social media for you to like open your eyes social media shouldn't have to tell you um where to look it shouldn't have to tell you oh, okay focus on this this is this is really important like you need to protest this it shouldn't it shouldn't be that way but do you think there's a there's a sense of people feeling maybe a bit like impotent? It is because it like is. you know you can be so concerned about you know you can be the most caring person in the world, but at the end of the day, you know what can you physically do? You know about not even even issues that we you know like in the UK or something, which you know we live here and we do have a bit more influence over our government or whatever you know you see how repressive everything is let's say the whole SARS stuff people went to protest then they shot them then they're you know closing bank accounts snatching mm-hmm. people on the streets it's kind of like you know what can you do at the end of the day maybe i'm just saying that's what, maybe that's why that's why it only tends to come to a head when there's like a you know like a viral but video it's like sorry with um stuff like that it's like we live in a world where it's like it's you don't really have to if you have nothing you can still do because if, whether you're educating yourself behind closed door or just going out to protest, as long as you're doing something to continuously educate yourself on issues around the world, then that that's all you can really do because it's better to do that than to remain oblivious and only open your eyes when the issue is trending mm. and then all of a sudden go back to your daily routine and act like, oh, you, you didn't just attend protests, for example, Black Lives Matter mm-hmm. or NSARS, I mean, yeah. I mean, I'll, I'll definitely say you're right. Admitting is the first step because if you don't know, then you can't do anything in it. So mm. that is definitely an important, um, an important layer. But I, I mean, I would just say like I do have a bit more sympathy for those people that choose to just block it out because even in my personal life, I've seen how just you're so stressed and sad about it. But then at the end of the day, there's just nothing you can do, and it's just kind of like why did I even want to know about this? Like, I wish I didn't even know. So 
I wouldn't have to think about this because it's just it just doesn't get you anywhere. You know. But you have to know. That's the thing. Yeah. Especially in this world, it's like it, it goes back. You can't. It's like how in America mm-hmm. they like to ignore their own history. Like say they didn't. The whole you know Eurocentrism, the whole colonization. They like to ignore it, and they only start off history. If you look at even like in school lessons, they only start talking about civil war onwards. They don't talk about the past, never. But then compare it to the UK now, and UK likes to talk about everything. Oh, we're so great. Whether it's um, Tudor times or even during times when they were doing up witchcraft, on, like they'll address it. And that's the thing with the world. Like, you can't hide from history. Mm. It's all around you. You can't live in a bubble where it's like, this is all I want to focus on. Because I know some people, they don't even watch the news or anything. If it's not something that has been posted multiple times on social media, they're not going to pay attention. Yeah, And that's, that's not that's a true. way to live because people are suffering in the world. And it's like, what? So you're going to suppress their suffering just to make yourself feel better. Uh, I mean, you're right. You're right. Obviously, you definitely have the moral position here, and I'm not saying you know shouldn't do that because again, I've been quite you know I don't want to sound arrogant, but I've been quite active in this field, like writing. But like that's the main reason why I started writing my blog and my podcast, really, mm. to like try and educate people and get the word out there. You know, let people know what's going on. But even I personally started to realize, like you know, <clears throat> it felt like nothing was changing. Like you just felt you know. Very, and I mean, again, I'm sure stuff is changing because I think what you said about history is a fascinating conversation because we are living history all the time, isn't it? You know, mm. we're almost like we're bearing witness to history every day, so it does make sense for us to get involved in that because you know, I guess it's, it's a cliche, but you know, even one little thing can change, you know, can have it an can. effect. But I can see where people that you know, okay, my, my, my experience is different because I knew about it and because I just felt pointless I didn't know but obviously I guess you're talking about people that don't even really tune into that kind of stuff and just yeah aren't aware you know like those that kind of like liberal people where they feel like everything was great until Trump or something like that you know people like that you know fair enough I, I see I see I see your point then so um when you talk about history what kind of history are you into you say you want to be an historian what's your history historical niche um, when people ask me this, I never know how to answer this because with me, it's just, if if it's fascinating, then I'm going to be more prone to just reading it because it's just everything just connects. Like, for example, now mm-hmm. I'm doing um, environmental history right. as part of the history side of my course, but then I chose environmental politics for the politics side of my course. And then I just saw the whole connection, like, in environmental politics, you learn about the foundation and just the in in the sense of the modern world. Whereas in environmental history, you're learning more about, for example, how America is more seen as is more. It was more about the landscape rather than like the whole concept of colonization. That that's obviously still important, but as an environmentalist historian they'd look at the landscape and then you you just begin to think like wow it's it's wild how for example um there was a homestead act in 1872 or 62 or something and it was basically the the state in america basically told people yeah you can you can take lands um 
just make sure that you're over 21 and it's a certain square and you have to farm the land for a few years and then that's your ownership. And it was just seen how the government was using um, European settlers Mm -hmm. as a means, just an agent basically to use them to get rid of the natives. And it's like, wow, Mm. it's... It's not even surprising. This still happens to this day. The government using, for example, in the US, they're using the army to insert themselves in Middle East or even Africa. Mm -hmm. And it's like, you have no business being there. And it's the same reason. It's for land again. Mm. And it's like, this has caused so many issues because that's even how um, you you all had the Palestinian war, Mm. everything happening because the government decided, oh, um, after Nazism, Mm-hmm. They decided to give a piece of land to the Jews in the Middle East. Mm. And it's that like, how can you take land that you have no rights and then decide to give it? And it's like, is this what, what the government is all about? Just to incite war and then come in and do up savior? <laughs> because for me, one thing I hate, yeah, I could never support the US Army or the British Army because you have no business. You're mm-hmm. just an agent and it just dates back to colonization mm-hmm. to land. And it's... Ugh, I mean, the point about, you know, the land stuff, that is actually quite fascinating. So you're, so you're basically saying when it comes to America, the, the issue of land is very central to, you know, the founding of the country. Yeah, and how, it's literally the foundation. And I never and thought to think of it that way. Mm-hmm. It's only because I'm learning more about the different types of historians. And I never knew, oh, this is what environmental histories actually look at. In my head, I, I was just thinking they'd look at, like, um, the built of the world, like, believe in how for example like um the big bang they might look at that and stuff or Mm. fossils basically like archaeology type stuff yeah yeah civilization understanding yeah but then looking at it 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 really was not that it was literally how or you people tend to ignore the environmental aspect that was an attribute the foundation of colonization imperialism mm. everything because literally there was even a quote of i think the president in america in the early or mid um 19th century where he literally said um white people basically have um the right and are the only one that have the right to plow the land on this earth and it's like what Wow. I already knew about obviously white supremacy, but then to think, oh, you they actually believed they were the only ones that had the right to plow this land. Like, and it, it's just crazy. I mean, you know, that's, that's that's a very fascinating thing because I was listening to some Chomsky, and I think Chomsky had a thing about this when he was talking about, you know, presidents at the time. I think it was Johnson at the time that was president at that time, or maybe John Adams or something. And they were talking about how savagely they were treating the Native Americans and driving them off off their land and, you know, destroying their crops and killing, you know, their animals and stuff, trying to starve them out of existence, essentially. So I guess land was definitely tactically used as a as a weapon there. And even, you know, those who stole land from the Mexicans as well, you know, California, <laughs> Texas, there's, mm. a, there's a reason why these places have those latin sounding names is not because you know the u.s wanted to be cool it's because they were literally mexican territory wasn't it that you know the the u.s stole i think it was andrew johnson that was talking about you know Sorry, someone called. Our brutal, but... oh. oh 
Uh, yeah, yeah, continue. Yeah, so I think it was Johnson, Andrew Johnson, that was talking about, you know, how savage what they were doing to the Native Americans was in, like, stealing their land and, you know, driving them off the land, stealing land from the Mexicans and things like that. And the link to Palestine is definitely very apt because that mm-hmm. is what the, the Israeli government does, isn't it? They'll steal some Palestinian land and they'll just build houses on it so Israeli people can come and live there because they just want to, you know, re- basically rewrite the the demographics forcibly. Exactly, and then even when you think about it, is Which is a war crime, mm. by the way, for me to do it, you know. Like, under the Geneva Convention, the Rome Statute, this is clearly, like, by definition... But they just obviously because they have the US and the UK on their side, they can do what they want. That's really it. That's that's very depressing. A very depressing, very depressing start. So I guess that's kind of you know. So is that how what you'd say your your politics is more centered around history? Like because I mean I'm, I'm I'm a big history buff myself. I always get like uh like modes where like I'm into specific things. So before it was like civilization building and stuff so like you know the Romans and. I was interested in like really old civilizations and how they lived, like the the Mayans, the the Olmecs. They're like they're really really old. But now I'm into like stars and stuff, like our universe and things like that. So where would you say you are? You're right right now. Is that an environmental thing mainly? Yeah, I'd say the environmental history, just based off that's what I'm learning right now, and that's something we're trying. I'm trying to learn more about because it's good to have just background knowledge because at the end of the day all history links everything links no matter yes, what yes yes and it's oh and the one bad thing i'd say though is sometimes i try to ignore certain aspects of history just because in my mind i'm like oh, history because history is written by obvious white mm-hmm. men it's kind of like can i really trust what you're saying <laughs> yeah, I mean, sometimes it is definitely written with an agenda, and sometimes it just reads a bit incomplete. Mm-hmm. Also, well, that's when I found that's what I found when I started to watch history and study history and stuff. They'll talk about, you know, for example, like you and I are into politics now. If someone wrote the history of, you know, the Trump presidency and said something like, you know, Trump ran on, you know, being a friend of the working class and yeah. things like that and Trump was blah blah we're going to be like don't be serious we all know Trump was completely bought and paid for <laughs> yeah, we know that's not really what happened like that's just not true Trump was completely bought and paid for and so when you do what that like, Roman history they would say a lot of stuff that you like well I mean that was political rhetoric is that really what happened and you just you just never know because you're not there innit? you just don't understand it that way it's just you can never so... get the full picture all you can get is Take take bullet points from me and just you'd have to read a, a variety of different works to be able to mm-hmm. to then form a timeline and say okay this is roughly what happened not even factual just saying oh this is roughly mm-hmm. what happened yeah I mean that, do you know that's exactly why I started my podcast this week but before I was doing my podcast on like you know um, just you know reporting what's going on in politics and stuff but I decided to do it this way precisely because of that reason. Because even if you see the name of my podcast now, it's called Pro History. And the name of the series I'm doing now is called Historical Archive. Because I kind of wanted to collate other people's opinions on what's going on right now. Because it would be nice for people that are trying to study, you know, the history of our time, you know, let's say 100 Mm -hmm. years, 200 years from now, to have that variety of opinion and not just what, you know, 
the Oxford educated historian exactly believes that you know austerity is the natural economic order you know what they have to say because of course they're going to say in you know, you know in a way where they just they just blinded by the ideology and they can't really see it whereas normal people average people are able to give you a much more it might be a bit it might be wrong sometimes mm-hmm. but a, a much more average view basically of what people were really thinking at the time but and even even at that i wouldn't say to me any view especially mm-hmm. coming from from as long as you're open-minded your view is, your view is not average because you're seeing different perspective it's only when you're looking at mm. one side that mm-hmm. i'd say mm-hmm. you're average because you're not really expanding at least take note of arguments that you wouldn't normally support because at the end of the day okay. if you're ignoring that you can't really make your outcome will always be biased Right. Okay. That's, that's true. It's true. So, would you would you consider yourself like on the left or on the right? Um, I'm on the center because obviously I'm going to read works mm. of people I don't agree with. But then sometimes you really can't. Like who? Give me, give me, give me the the, the the most irritating person you read that you just didn't. You just thought this person's ideas just stink. But I'm gonna read them anyway just to see what they're rapping irritating. about. Irritating. Hmm. Irritating, annoying, just like ah, I can't stand this fool. Irritating. Uh. I'd have to come back to that one because it okay. really depends right. on I'll, what I'll, I'm reading because sometimes despite I, I feel like the irritation I feel, especially when it comes to certain historians, is because of their dismissal of certain aspects of history. For example, okay. Um, okay. When, when reading, for example, articles or journals of certain historians i'm like and the way they speak is kind of like oh first of all you're white that that's obviously going to be your perspective and then it's like me i'm not white but and i think that's that that works to my advantage because that means i'm not close-minded i know to take into account the views of not just just one section of society but everyone but then reading a historian's work sometimes you just feel like oh you're not very inclusive you're you're just telling the history mm. of of a position where it it still screams white supremacy. I mean, I, I mean, I guess that's why you gotta have the the different niches, isn't it? Like different people coming at it from different angles. Like if someone's already doing, I think even when I was gonna do my podcast, mm. generally, I di- I didn't want to do just like the typical like oh you know what's trending in the TL or things things like that because that area was already taken. So a lot of people already do that. So I wanted to do something a bit different anyway and i think i guess that's what you gotta be isn't it you know find find your area that you know you can really educate people on if you're passionate about it mm. all right so when you say when you say you're on the center what does what does that mean in terms of policy ideas so you know center is a bit of a when people say that it sounds like a bit of a cop-out yeah like, but when i say center, the center i don't mean position like um, on the spectrum i just mean i see both sides but I don't, i'm not taking sides what do you mean you're not taking sides? I'm, I'm literally just here because, right? for example, even what's happening now in our government, um, if people were to ask you, oh, what party do you support? What would you say? Me? Yeah. Um, I don't, I don't support either. Yeah, really. exactly. I probably... that's, that's exactly. No, no, but that's that. No, no, but no, I feel like that's different because I would still say I support like Jeremy Corbyn's policies, but obviously Jeremy Corbyn's not the leader anymore, and clearly declared, you know, the current Labour leadership isn't exactly dedicated to socialism or whatever you want to mm. call that 
I, the way Jeremy Corbyn was, but I did support his ideas, you know. I did associate myself with the Labour Party when he was leader. So I would say that. Yeah, but you have, but then Jeremy Corbyn is one person. He's not really, he doesn't represent the whole of the Labour Party and that's the issue. Of course, if, if he of course, did, course, then I'd course. say, oh yeah, I'm there for Labour, but... Yeah, so that means that means you're on the left thing, you'd say. Because I mean, clearly, but then that's if, not if you say you would identify with Jeremy Corbyn, then you're on the left, aren't you? Yeah, but then, I mean, I would say I'm on the left easily. Is, is that, then sometimes you think to yourself, is that because um of my socio socio economic status, or is that because I actually believe in that, or is that because I'm I'm looking at I'm viewing society in a certain way where maybe I'm being influenced by um people for example like um Karl Marx where I'm thinking oh yeah capitalism yeah revolution of the workers and I'm starting to see the connection of um you know those that are higher up and those that are below um well of course I mean it's a good question I've always said no one thinks for themselves like there's there's no such thing as thinking for yourselves in our society. You know, we're all products of our society, our upbringing, our background, mm. our whatever. So I'm not gonna pretend as though I invented the idea of you know being on the left and socialism and stuff. But I did. I would say when you think about most of the issues, I think again, I used to call myself a socialist until recently. I feel like that word has kind of lost all meaning now. You know, <laughs> it's kind of the right wing use socialism. They'll be like. Oh, you're a socialist. They'll be like, yeah. Oh, so you believe in starving babies? Mm. Wait, wait, what? When did it mean that? When did it mean that? So in terms of my general idea of stuff, I think I'll just say I'm just for democratic control of stuff. So in any way, even if it's like in the workplace, allowing people to have a voice and, yeah. you know, giving them a fair share, you know, not only just obviously as, of, you know, in terms of voting on things, but also like, democrat- like democratizing the incomes. You know, like I always say, for example, you know, CEOs and stuff, they get to get extra income based on performance. Why can't worker get that? Why is Amazon post, you know, rapid profits? They'll, you know, they'll pay only by, you know, the inflation rate because the government said so. Where's your share of that, you know, of that record profit? You helped make that happen. That's the kind of stuff I'm saying, like sharing it equally in the way that, you know, you be able to that, get a fair share. I think the problem of the government bureaucracy sometimes doesn't work control where people have a say in how stuff is run. I do you think that makes sense because people, you know, people have opinions about what they want to be done. I think it's it's working now. Okay, good. Alright, so where were we? We're talking about your your policy positions in terms of I mm, was talking about um the change in um definition when it comes to socialism. Yes. So, would you describe yourself as on the left? Mm, I don't know where I am right now. Because I said that, like, stu- studying politics in university, it really made me dislike it in terms of it. politics shouldn't just... When you think of politics, you shouldn't just think UK, America. Mm-hmm. It shouldn't be that way. And... It's very frustrating having to learn the same politics I've learned since year 12 to then continue in, in university. It's like, where's the choice? 
are you trying it's 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 like they're trying to ingrain into our brain like yeah uk is so great uk is so great and then i started to realize this is how they've been doing it in the education system because when i first came because i didn't do primary school here so when i first came and people were talking about you the times so and so Mm -hmm. it's like you're proud of an error you don't even understand right like how does that happen at such a young age there's people that already they knew for example a lot of kids knew about like henry the eighth or whatever and it's like wow they really they really ingrained that in your brain to just tudor times tudor times or just an era of history where it's universally known it doesn't matter if you study history or not you every you know about that era Right, but, but but wouldn't you say that's like you might okay? This is just I think I see a bit differently. I would say like that's a good thing, in the sense that I mean to be fair, when you're a child, you know why would they teach you about Africa and stuff? This is your country per se, basically you know learning the history of your country, and I think it would be good if we did that as well because I I do think it does it, sometimes wrongly, but it does instill a type of national pride. It does. Where you want to, you know, you see yourselves as, maybe sometimes it go a bit far and it's seen as some kind of special people or whatever, but you kind of understand, you know, what's, what's happening. Like, for example, in our country, I grew up in Nigeria mm-hmm. and growing up, I came here when I was 11 or so, 12. And we didn't really learn much about our history. The only thing we learned was that, oh, this guy called Lord Lugard amalgamated. They even say like he did us a favor or something. <laughs> like he did us a favor or something amalgamated the north and south Nigeria and became one country. That's basically where the history starts from. They didn't teach us anything from before that, what our culture was like, you know, what we were doing before the Europeans. It's almost like they developed the Europeans to define our experience of, of the world, mm. which is so insulting to us. And again, you know, that's why you have people like longing for, oh my God, if only the British were still here, Nigeria would be so good because obviously it's rubbish now. So I can see maybe where the revisionist comes in, but that's because there's no national pride. No one identifies with being Nigerian in that cultural way because you don't really know of it. Like you see this country, they're digging up, you know, people from 300 years ago and understanding how they lived and things like that. We, we don't really do that kind of stuff. And I think if we did that, that would help us. There'll be, there'll be a pride. Even like our politicians, even if they're corrupt and stuff, there'll be a, just a general pride. Like, you know, we're from here. We have to regain some sort of independence and like greatness, quote unquote. You know, this country is going out, they're great and they, you know, they've ruled so many parts of the world and all that kind of stuff. It does make the people here, you know, want to, you know, do stuff for their country because they, you know, they just feel some kind of pride, right, you know, of just being British, whereas we don't really have that because we don't really know it. I couldn't tell you what the history of, you know, my ancestors were and stuff, but I know the history of this country from, you know, William the Conqueror, which was like a thousand years ago or something. And that's just not right. That's just my take anyway. That's just my take. Would you concur with that? Or um, you... But then it's like, this is one thing I've taken when I started doing it. It's like, did they really give you the, especially in Africa and other places, mm-hmm. did these white European colonizers really give you the opportunity to learn your own code? And it dates back to even now, the fact that Britain mm-hmm. still holds a lot of artifacts that have to do with other countries. It's like you're denying them their, their heritage. You're denying them to, to learn. Because mm. you're saying, hey, um, how they're going out of their way to dig up 
um, artifacts or find tombs or whatever they're searching for. They're looking mm-hmm. for stuff that relates to history and the past. Mm-hmm. But Africa isn't able to do that because you never gave us the opportunity to even learn our history definitely. in the past. And, and you've, you've even changed the course of our history. Definitely, definitely. A lot of it was and, and tactically even, done. Mm, and even now, it's like, why is it that you have countries like Congo, Oxen, Belgium, for example, oh, can you give us back our artifacts? We even build, we have a museum here. We want to, we want our artifacts. We want to preserve it. We know we can, it's ours. And you'll say, no. Even with um, UK, um, when it came to Nigeria, mm-hmm. they were asking back for the artifacts. You're saying, yeah, we'll give it to you on a loan, then give it back. And is that what? How are you loaning something that is, is my right? Something that, that defines me. Mm. You're, you're telling me you don't want to give it to me. Uh, yeah, I think I think that is definitely very immoral. I, I completely agree with you. I think some of that is like also because I I've always said like the worst thing they brought to us was this capitalism where the obsession with you know hoarding money and wealth, people have no care for anything else. Like you know national pride and you know this you know capitalists mm. really are beasts of no nation. They have no allegiance to any country, any peoples, anything but just the money they're going to make. So when you have the fact that our society is orientated that way as well, it's no surprise that a lot of the time our leaders don't have the vision to care about those things. Because, you know, where's the way, how, they can, how can they steal money from that? Like, if you're talking about, like, archaeology and finding out about history and understanding it, sometimes there is no profit you know, incentive. There. It's just knowing history. But they have no vision to, you know, think that that is important for us to know. Like, they don't think about stuff like that. They just think about, you know, money and profits and, you know, looting money and stealing money and stuff like that. So, some, a lot, some, maybe not a lot of it, because okay, the British were in the wrong for obviously occupying our countries. But the leaders we have now definitely don't have the vision to think of that as an important thing. Like, it's not a priority for them. I think they do it every so often to try and grandstand a little bit but they don't care about those things you know, they're the ones that steal money from you know their fellow peoples and bring it here in the first place so clearly they don't you know they don't have much use for us in the first place and that's kind of depressing it's it's sad but it's the history of the world it's just a constant true. cycle it is completely true it is a and it's, it's the same exact cycle it's just the face changes with mm. um not even society per se, just the era you're in. Exactly, exactly. It's just always one someone doing it to someone else. Mm. It, just, it just makes you wonder where it all began. As an historian, have you been able to to think about that? Where where did us all you know? Where did us arranging our society in such a way? Where to did me, that begin? Some people would talk or say um, it depends where you believe. If you believe in the Bibles and your historian, you would obviously associate this with. Um, stories that are told in the Bible, for example, um, the Moses story. You talk about the division between um, the Jews and and the Israelis, and it's like, oh, that that if it's in, already written in the Bible, you can already see mm-hmm. some form of ethnic superiority yeah. and just division like that. That was slavery. Okay. Do you, be, do, you like, do you believe in that kind of stuff? Do you buy into that Bible story? No. I don't know. I don't know. The more I do history, the more everything just becomes more complex because then you're learning um, 
things that overlap with beliefs that you had prior prior to acquiring certain aspects of knowledge and it's like wow but then I'd say especially since I've been learning now about for example the Colombian exchange and stuff Mm -hmm. I can see you can see very clearly because it's literally learning about or the foundation that we know as America today where like you can clearly see okay um, Europeans came over they went to Africa then from Africa they went to go and do exploring in what you know as America today and it's even and associates to our identity as well, just mm-hmm. the formation of maps and mm-hmm. just bound borders, boundaries, everything. It's like we were never like that. Everything was just a whole. And if you were to point a finger, mm-hmm. I point a finger at the Europeans. <laughs> yeah, I point a finger at the Europeans. No, but, but I'm not talking really... about but I'm not talking about just like you know, colonization. I'm talking about the ordering of our society that goes back even before. Yeah, I'm talking European about the ordering, ordering of society in terms of not only the structure of society, but just the formation of that of borders of of separation. How how different every single society that you know is. Okay. And it's like they came and said, "Oh." For example, all oh, Native Americans were uncivilized and stuff. But if you if your society was so great, how come you couldn't replicate it? What do you mean, replicate it where? In in America. In because what sense? that was the aim. And, in what sense? Replicate in, in the sense that the structure, because there's always going to be in, in history. There's always a hierarchy. Right. Do you think that's Africa. natural? Um, that's the thing. It's not natural at all. But then, again, it's like when you want to talk about, oh, where does this come from? And the structure of society it really depends what area you're going to focus on, because there's no right or wrong answer. Because no one knows. Is is it natural for man to always seek power? And it's like, it's not even man seeking the power. So is it natural for just white people to seek power? No, I mean we did have you know, kings and queens in Nigeria and stuff like that as well. So we did have ro- royalty and stuff, which obviously royalty is a fake Yeah, we idea. do, but in terms of world domination... Does it matter on the scale, though? I mean, if you have a king that's ruling, you know, 300,000 people in, uh, you know, in a town slash township or whatever, kingdom in Nigeria somewhere, that's, a, that's what we'd call unnatural. Yeah, because... it wouldn't matter, but then in terms of, like, how is defined now in society is like oh you have to be visibly apparent in this way of for example politics to be then classed as someone that's powerful you see for example trump you t- if you think he's so powerful just because he's constantly in the news he's made himself known mm-hmm. and even though there's other people that if you want to say power and money or power and just the fact that oh he became president of america depending mm-hmm. how you look at it you just it's just interesting to to see how power is defined. Is right. is it status or is the, is it dependent on what part of the world you're in? Mm-hmm. Because the same, I understand what you're saying. It's true. There'll be kings and queens in Nigeria, but they're always overlooked. And it's like, is is that because it's it's in Africa and not in, for example, America or somewhere in Europe or even in o- Russia? Overlooked in what sense? What do you mean overlooked? So, um, it's never been 
it's never been a part of history. For example, I remember there was a story about, and this is the exact same story that happened between, um, I'm assuming, um, Kate and, what's her husband's name? William? William. Kate and William? Yeah, Kate, I think. Kate, Kate what? Kate. Kate Middleton, isn't it? Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Her husband's name is William, isn't it? Yeah, William. Yeah. But it's the same thing that happened where um, I saw a post on social media where it was like, oh, the world never pays attention to this, where it was literally like an American girl met a prince in Africa while he was studying in, in America, and then they end up with Marion, and now she's queen. And mm-hmm. even though it's the same storyline, well, similar storyline with, I'm assuming, Kay and William, mm-hmm. it was nowhere on the news. Like, I did not see this on the news. And it was like, if it was not for Shoshin, I would have never seen this. Wow. Okay. So what do, you, what, what do you think the relevance of that is? Do you think they should highlight that kind of stuff? or It should be highlighted. Stuff is like, when, when there's chaos in Africa, that's when it's on the news. But when it's something beautiful like that, why is it not on the news as well? Okay, I take your point. I take your point. That's interesting. That's interesting. So, if you'd say, for example, fast forward to like what you you know what you'd want to see, you know, I know like your your politics, dig zigzags and stuff. You're you know very fascinated with history and you know things like that. If you was to say you had a magic wand, what would be three things? That you would change about society, Ooh. or maybe one, you know, whichever one, or maybe more than three. Three isn't even enough. I'd have to. <laughs> three is not enough. I'd have to. What would I say? Hmm. I'd say realization of self-worth realization of self-worth yeah what what an answer it it would have to be that one because that's where it all draws down to we live in a world where you see even conversations like this it, it always it's always it just made, it reminds me like oh how africa has always belittled and it, it it's very saddening just to think for them to not realize like the world could not work without you what don't you understand so why is it when for example when the white man comes to the village you're there you're ready to lay down on the floor so he can walk over you but then when is your own people now coming it's always money 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 but then you live in a country that is literally the resource of the world so you so you think if africans i don't know if what you mean by african but you mean like you know those people the politicians i don't know exactly because literally everyone so if they realized their self-worth everything will change yeah everything will change same with americas if they realize their self-worth because the one thing i was even having a, um, a discussion with my friend about this about how um in um the black people in america mm-hmm. they tend When it comes to Africa, mm-hmm. there literally is like, it's like, oh, you hate Africa. 
and and you you they will just cast Africa. But then when Black Panther came out, all of a the sudden there was this sense of African pride. But then now now it's like when when they're having their issues with police brutality, they're expecting the whole world to come together for them. But then when there's issues with Africa, no. But I guarantee you, if Black Panther two comes out next thing they do Black um Pride again or African Pride and act like yeah 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 Wakanda that's my brother and stuff like that yeah and it's like I've seen it I've literally seen it I remember when um literally when Black Panther came out I started seeing so many posts on Instagram for example where Americans started to wear African attire the materials they even started wearing it for prom and it's like wow because of a movie how how come something that isn't even real you, you feel more of a connection to that than the actual Africa that is there I guess, mm, I mean, I guess it's the way it was packaged, isn't it? You know, if, it's, if it was, if I guess if Africa was packaged as like maybe a hot tourist destination spot or something, mm, then maybe they go. Be that way. Well, you know, you're right, you're right. I mean, a lot of things in the world shouldn't be that way. Yeah. But <laughs> they what are. Can you? What, what can you? Yeah. What, what's a man going to do? And as a, the, the famous Nigerian saying goes, I can't come and kill myself. Exactly. So you think? So you think just to you know just to, just to put a bow on that realization of self. I mean, when you say realization of self worth, I do feel like people intrinsically. I guess you know capitalism and many other forms of you know isms that we have has tried to tie our you know value to different things: work, academic achievement, you know, talent, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. I do feel like deep down, people know that you know their life is worth you know, X amount and some things shouldn't be, you know, the way they are. They do. I, 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 do, I do feel that. I do feel that way. They do, but they don't. Like, we're, we're so... We live in a world where it's, it's very easy, especially for social media to just control. And then it's, it's crazy that it seems like people forget um, social media is, is an output... Is it literally... Is it's not the one that's in control. Is we decide what it is, and then it just replicate, and then it just does it for us, and then we we still feed into it, which is very strange. But then, oh, okay. if if you get what I'm saying, it's like, I know I know when when sometimes you have discussions with people, people tend to say like, oh, they blame on social media, social media. But you're forgetting social media has been created by humans. It's not like it's a machine that's just deciding or. Oh, yeah, this this is what trending this. No, we make stuff trends. We make if if there's a topic that, for example, NSARS, mm-hmm. the more people that were invested in it and and just trying to protest against it or sign petitions, you saw it trending for days on social media. Mm-hmm. But then I don't know. People tend to forget. It's like. Do you realize how much power you have? Like when it comes, especially when it comes to the masses, do you not realize how much power there is in numbers? I think sometimes people realize that and they get they get shown very quickly why their power doesn't really mean much. Because they, I do feel like you know, I don't know if you kept up kept up with that feminist coalition people that they were doing tremendous work. And I, in fact, I was stunned. Like you know, people like that were you know on the ground, you know, mobilizing moving resources so quick and it was really inspirational but then when the government decided you know what this is embarrassing a bit us a bit too much he just went in there and murdered them and you know that does kind of you know 
if you're a person that you're there and you're just chilling, you're just, you know, getting involved in this stuff, you know, you're excited about some change possibly coming and they respond in such a heavy-handed, brutal way, that does demoralize you a little bit. I'm not going to lie. I can understand why it people does. just, you know, just want to just, because even I, I'm, I'm not even there. And for a few days, I wasn't feeling so good. Like, I just wasn't. And I just, I just felt, you know, just an emptiness that, what can, well, now, now what can we do? You know, they close the accounts. People don't want to protest. They don't want to get killed. They're not going to tell people to go protest when there's a chance they might get killed. Now they're rounding up people. They're snatching them. They're not, you know, nothing's changing, you know? And when you start to think about the problems, even when you start to study it, and you realize how many layers deep it goes. I, I don't blame anyone. I'm not gonna be like I'm not gonna lie. Because when I was new into like understanding politics and stuff, I always used to think, oh, if it was just you just fix this, that'll be fixed. But the sad fact is, even if you gave the most well-intentioned person a magic wand and say, okay, fix whatever you want so you can fix the world, the world they created probably won't be very good as well. I'm not saying it will be better than what we have now, but it probably will be nowhere near adequate. And then you realize that. These things are just far more complicated than one fix because humans are just very complicated. And that was one thing actually I was working on in terms of a theory, but obviously I don't have the resources to study it properly. I was actually going to ask you. I had a theory, or well, I have a theory, that humans are too complicated as as a you know as a being, you know, as in where we exist in our psychology and stuff, to live in the kind of large numbers we live now, like and form our government in that way as well. Like, we're just too complex. And the example I used of that was like, let's say you had a house and then you had like two people living in it. It's going to be much easier for them to communicate about what they like, what they don't like, you know, if someone does something to piss you off, blah, blah. But then if you increase that number from two to just about five, it's going to feel like chaos. Because there's so many things that someone else might do that you don't even, you might not like, you might not appreciate, you might not understand. And the next thing you know, just by increasing the number by, you know, from two to five by just three, you increase the possibility of outcomes by probably maybe a hundred million. Of just tiny, tiny things that might happen that might set someone, you know, one particular person off and then everything's just ruined. Then you think, imagine our society basically multiply that by seven billion or whatever, which is what we are now. And you can just imagine why everything just turns to shit not that people have good intentions in there and it's just going wrong obviously a lot of people have sinister intentions again that's part of the possibilities you're going to get with humans we have that in our dna we have the ability to do good to do bad to be horrible to be nice you know and when you have that many people you're going to have that many outcomes there's just no way you can guarantee something going good for everyone because it's just too many people but that was my theory anyway i don't know if you agree with that yeah, to an extent, but then it's society, isn't it? Because the way society is built, it doesn't really allow for large numbers. For example, in the UK, if if there's a family of five, mm-hmm. um, depending on the household atmosphere, depending on if your parents care about your education, it depends on so many variables have an input on the outcome of those children. Yeah. Whereas in com- yeah. compared to someone else that lives in um, a wealthy area, they could have seven kids if they wanted. And because they have the resources, their surroundings, everything just allows this child to flourish. But then 
in the same but then at the same time being in uk just the idea of student finance does allow everyone to flourish right, right. because those those people those three kids living in that house with maybe in a poor environment despite that mm-hmm. they might still still be able to to come out of that and go to like oxford and graduate with a first in like economics or something Mm-hmm. just because of determination because yeah, despite yeah. the variables around them as long as they were focused on the vision and knew the direction in life they wanted to go to and didn't let anything stop them mm-hmm. then i feel like every everyone has some form of chance and but then again it's dependent on where you're living because you wouldn't it you is. wouldn't be able to say the same thing about someone in in for example the middle east because that's not the case no. there were doctors there as soon as the bombs dropped they you see them migrating even dying on the journey then coming here to this country then struggling to find a job and maybe even doing 5 pound per hour as a builder mm 100% 100% that was that was very depressing but i guess we have to have to end on a depressing note my final question i would say is that obviously this is a historical archive so if your your kids or your grandkids or your great grandkids, if they're listening to this right now, what would you want them to know about you? About me? Yeah, mm. like you know. I wouldn't know. I'd say. How would you? I'm still on my journey of learning more about the world. And, you know, my main focus is just trying to educate myself more and more and more because history is very interesting and so is politics and i said i want them to know know your history and know your politics just whatever you're doing know it properly but also don't be afraid to branch out because then especially when it comes to history people seem to be hesitant to take it on especially when it comes to um course in university people don't want to take they resist them because they're thinking oh too much reading too much this too mm-hmm. much that and is if you really want to educate yourself nothing is too much right right i mean i guess they listen to you talk you know 100 years from now so imagine i guess they're you know they're doing they're doing a pretty good job of, mm-hmm. of if you're paying listening attention to, to history you're there. doing good <laughs> So, okay, I mean, you didn't really talk about yourself, that you kind of give them advice, but I guess that's what older people do, isn't it? Yeah, <laughs> if you're no, listening, kids, that's what older people I'm, do. I'm still a journey in there of self discovery. Self discovery. Yeah, okay. self discovery, learning more about myself. Oh, true, what true. do I want to achieve? Like looking back. At- no, but, but this, is like a, this is like a snapshot of, you know, where you are at this point in time. So, obviously, when they're listening to it, they'll know it's like, you're, how old are you now? Then? I'm 21. Okay, so don't like this is twenty-one-year-old Helena. Oh, I'll say, oh, twenty-one-year-old Helena is on the journey of discovery. I'd say in the past, um, I mean, I was always interested in like politics and history. I just didn't know because from a very mm-hmm. early age, I can even remember while I was in nursery, I was watching CNN, and I was invested wow. because back then they did real reporting. They did real reporting. Nowadays, not so much. <laughs> <laughs> no because that that was when because then obviously now you have um 
an we're in an era where everyone can be a reporter because we all have phones. You just whip it out, mm. take the video, and then you already know. News will just call you up and say, "Oh, send that to us, please." Mm-hmm. And you can just contact people yeah. yourself. Like I could contact someone that was involved in the situation and ask this piece on my podcast, just like that. You know, I literally just said, okay. We're living in a chaotic world right now. Twenty twenty has been quite the year. It's been quite the year in our lifetime, but it's not it's not the worst i wouldn't say it's, it's not the worst you know at the end of the day oh me personally i've had a, I've had a great year me we're here bro. we're alive we're breathing amen amen the loved amen. ones are alive you know that's the most important thing that is the most important thing you know right. mental health is there yeah yes yeah, so maybe life isn't so bad life isn't so bad life is not bad at all because <sighs> i don't know it's a negative um, thing, not negative, but it's a sad thing to think. But sometimes, when when you're down in life, it's like someone someone would happily happily cut off their arm or or limb or whatever just to trade places with you. Hmm. Okay, that's, 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 I guess that's an uplifting message. And um, mm. on that note, I think we'll leave it there. Yeah. It was very nice. It was very nice to speak to you. It was nice to speak to you too. And um, hopefully we'll keep in touch. Yeah. And then I'll speak to you later. Alrighty. Bye. Goodbye. Bye.